Welcome to the 20th meeting of Junto Club. Meeting 20 is a milestone episode for a couple of reasons. It's our first episode done in person with all three of us in the same room. Also, in the time since meeting 19, Matt and Shu have defended their PhDs. This meeting focuses on the good, the bad, and the ugly of doing a PhD. For any questions, comments, or if you'd like to rant on something important to you, email juntoclubpodcast at gmail.com. This is Junto Club. All right, welcome to the 20th meeting of the Junto Club. Our, that is our first in-person uh, meeting in, in, I guess, in celebration of the, I guess, the CDC new guideline that you know we don't need to wear masks anymore. So anyway, so um, of course Junto Club is we started to inspire by Benjamin Franklin's uh, original Junto Club about around 300 years ago to uh, discuss topics such as science, philosophy, and anything that interests us. So today our main topic is the good, the bad, and the ugly of getting a PhD. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess, uh, as you know, I mean, recently, you know, uh, me and Matt defended our PhD with different results. But anyway, but welcome, I guess, in our, we have another PhD in our midst, is Dr. O'Brien, right? So, <laughs> so what do you think? First of all, you just gave my full name for the first time. We've got to cut that. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we may have said full names. Right, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. So you're, you're not anonymous anymore. Uh-huh. So, we, so right now we have two PhDs, uh, uh, Mr. I, I guess not if Mr. Dr. Mike Pedanani and Dr. Matthew O'Brien. Mm-hmm. That's true. And one could be, but decided not to go keep working. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But anyway, we can talk about that more later. So, so I guess uh, we need to revise the introduction. Uh, this is podcast is not hosted by three PhDs anymore, it's hosted by 2.5 PhDs. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think based on how long I work on my PhD, I think I deserve a 0.5 PhD. So. I mean, I think a conditional pass is 0.5, basically. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think that's, I don't know, I feel like it's, I guess, three, I don't know, like, it's still three robotics PhDs. Like, it's, like, PhDs could be shorthand for, like, PhD... And I quit? <laughs> <laughs> like you pursued it. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. That's true. That's good. That's good. No, you no. gained all the knowledge mm. that you would have otherwise. So, yeah. you know, mm. the relevancy for this podcast, you still qualify. I think you should be given an honorary PhD from Georgia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> if I do something great in the future. Yes. Well, I became a billionaire, maybe. That would be the ultimate retribution. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. Wait, you need to cut that. Yeah, we do need to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. So, all right. welcome back. <laughs> all right. So, I guess no, as usual, um, as usual, I guess uh, I will start with a quote from Benjamin Franklin. And today's quote is, "Quote: Who dentists love, shall beggars prove." End quote. Nice. Do you know what that means? 
who dainties love shall beggars prove. I have no idea. So dainties is fancy, right? Or something, or uh, like delicate. So where is it? Dainties love shall beggars prove. So beggars prove. No idea. So, no, uh, oh, I you guys are native English speakers. Yeah, I mean, is it just like basically if you are like are like something to the effect of like if you love fancy things mm. or like you know people who love fancy things ultimately like will need to beg right or like mm. because they need to like spend oh. on them. So so it's Ooh. sort of like you know so if it's like if it's something like that's. I, I mean, I keep saying like fancy or delicate or something that like mm. needs to be handled carefully mm. all the time. Then, and if, and if you love it, then you or who dainties love. So, or, or so if you if it's something that needs to be handled delicately all the time and like it's dependent on you or you're dependent on it, then ultimately that will lead you to like a difficult. Like uh, difficulties, like so begging, mm. like begging for something. <laughs> so you s kind of saying that who dainties love is almost like reverse. Like someone who loves dainties will become beggars in the future. Like the, well, that I mean, that's I guess my initial thought. But I guess even like if dainties, like if something delicate relies on you, that also puts you in a situation of sort of like begging for. Like some type of peace of mind, I guess. I don't know. That's a reach. <laughs> I'm not saying I have anything better, but that's starting to. Be <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just, I'm guessing Shu looked it up, but that was my reach. He never looked no, it up. No, I never looked it up because yeah. I want to be confused. I mean, I was confused anyway. Even when I looked it up, I don't really know. When I, I just like look it up and it wasn't any word, and I don't really understand. Right, right, right. right. So, you get anything, Matt? <laughs> uh, I think the best thing is Mike's first answer. Basically, what is it? A fool and his money are quickly parted, something like Again? that. Again, yeah. I don't know, someone who likes fancy things uh, is going to end up a beggar because they'll be okay, poor because yeah. they'll spend all their money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe? I so, mean, yeah, it's almost like the, the way in the original world is always like you want to interpret in reverse, right? Like, yeah. who love dainty might become, like, it's going to be proved to be a beggar. Shall prove to be a beggar. I've seen phrasing like that, but it's uh, pretty rare mm. and a little weird. This might be starting to be... Old English, yeah. like too much old English to press the parse. It's 200 years ago, so. All right, cool. All right. So, any, so I guess move on to the news roundtable of many topics that might want to talk about the Elon Musk SNL uh, appearance? Yeah, I mean, Elon Musk was on SNL. It was a big controversy. Why? What's the controversy? What do you mean? Because, well, I mean, I think a large... I didn't know what you so... Well, no, a large portion of the population, like, SNL actually had to come out and say that, like, certain actors were refusing to be in scenes with him because he's, like, really? such a... Yeah, because he's such a controversial figure. <laughs> so... Uh -huh. I, I mean, I guess, like, I, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, like, I'm not, like, an evil, like, oh, I'm going to defend Elon Musk, you know, I'm not, like, a super fan of his, mm. but it's more just, like, I feel like, like, five years ago, I would feel like he was pretty, like, well, universally well-liked, I don't yeah. know, or, mm -hmm. like, yeah. and, uh, but now it's, like, I guess, now he's, like, the richest man in the world, or at least was for, you know, a period of time when Tesla's stock was, like, huge, 
Mm. And uh, and I, I feel like that immediately made him like demonized him to like large portions of the population. Is that was that the reason just as well? Because I still well, feel, think of him as like way less no. wealthy than Bezos. Because like like even if Tesla stock's high, it's not like he has like Bezos has much more functional wealth, right? Like he sure. can actually get a lot more cash if he was trying to. Presumably, yeah. Yeah, I mean. The main thing is not, it's, I don't think it's not because, the main reason is because he's rich. It's more some of his opinions, I guess. I mean, he tweets a lot. He, his opinion is very leaning toward, like, some conservatives, sometimes he has some, so it's almost centralist in a way. And then sometimes he says stuff that offends my liberal ideas, right? And then, of course, uh, I think even when uh, last year, I know, vaccine, like, um, mass mandates, right, and stuff like that, and, like, oh, he was very against it, like, like oh, you should, like, shut down, right, he, he, he actually went to work, right, he said, oh, we don't need to shut down, stuff like that, and then one of the liberal California and a representative, I think her name is, like, Gonzalo or something, last name, and then she was, like, on Twitter, say, fuck Elon Musk, <laughs> right, and then, and then he, and of course, he, she's a liberal Democrat, right, so a lot of people, you know, say, hey, why, you know, why are you against shutdown, right, so, so I think a lot of people are like hating for that as well. And then, and then, yeah, he just, you know, a little bit leaning more like conservative, a lot of stuff, right? Very, like business, supporting business stuff. Anyway, so he, he well, and, and then he moved to Austin, right? Because of that, right? So he, he replied to the message, said, message received, and he just moved to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Did he actually move because of yeah. that? Like, yeah, literally? No, not because of that too, but it's more because of the tax, like, you know, California, and like, I, is taxing our rich people, right? Mm. It's just too much tax, so they have to move in a way. Also, it's very not 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 business tech friendly anymore. They're just attacking attacking these like tech people, right? So like Google, but Tesla mostly. So he also moved a factory into Texas as well. Yeah, so bigger. Yeah. Neuralink, the brain computer interface company, he like funds. It's yeah. like yeah, I think they opened up a lot of positions in Austin. Yeah. So. So, uh, but yeah, so I mean, I mean, so it's all of that and also like, I mean, it, also some people just think he's kind of a dickhead because he's like, like, you, do you remember like Martin Screlly? Like yeah, yeah. the, the, like he was the, like he was the one who like had rights to like the, what was it, an AIDS drug? So some some drug. Yeah, and some, he just hiked the price. He hiked the price like hugely and he was like, he was like, uh, and he ended up going to prison, I think, for yeah. something like that. Yeah, he's some, in prison right now. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but he, uh, like, was a huge internet troll, but he was, like, he was a pharma bro, I think, that's what they <laughs> yeah, call yeah, him. Yeah. So Elon Musk, like, can be, like, a little bit of a troll, like, obviously, like, you know, with the, like, and people accuse him of, like, manipulating, like, cryptocurrency with, like, the Dogecoin tweets <laughs> and the bit. Like, I mean, because even, like, now, it's, like, um, with, uh, bit, like, he recently, like, rejected or, like, stopped taking Bitcoin. Uh-huh. You know, for, because like it's like a not uh, like environmentally friendly yeah, coin. Yeah, I did see mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so it's like the price of Bitcoin went from like high fifties to like now it's back in the forties, I think, like thousand. So, yeah. mm. so it's like so his tweets like can, or decisions like have huge sways over these things. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so some people accuse him of being like, hey, like, hey, you tweet something, it spikes like a thousand percent, and you know, since you have billions of dollars, you can just like throw a hundred million in and turn that hundred million into a billion overnight, and then like just take money from people, uh, you know. No, no. So <laughs> I have seen some of the controversies about his tweets before, like throwing Tesla stock prices up and down, and whether mm-hmm. that's like 
market manipulation the SEC needs to like get involved with or something. But right. I guess I knew he would like. Yeah, I knew he'd said things on Twitter that sometimes get people riled up. But I didn't think he was to the point. Like I mean, I feel like actors not even appearing in scenes with him is pretty extreme. Like Trump went on SNL. Like was it during his or after it was his point? Yeah, it was. I think his most recent was like 2015. Mm. But it was like after his campaign had started. Oh, was it? There, he definitely was on SNL. I'm almost sure he went on after his campaign. Because I remember people being mad that they're like, oh, you're like normalizing like him as a person when his like, message is hateful and stuff. I but I didn't remember hearing anything about actors like not doing anything with Trump. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, Nick would be fake news, Mike. <laughs> no, I mean, no, they definitely, I mean, they definitely talked. Like, I, I've heard it from uh, several sources that, like, there were actors at least like I don't know if they actively like said it but like mm. behind the scenes who said they like wouldn't be with them in scenes interesting I never heard I did not hear anything so Jason Kalkan is he his friends are Elon Musk he was he is one of the podcasts I listening to mm-hmm. he's not he's an investor and I, he has a stock podcast as well and he he talked about actually he, he actually he was invited by Elon Musk to be to be to help him to write those jokes stuff like that mm-hmm. So yeah, when he talked about it, he did not say mention anything like that. And he's he's the type of person that would mention it definitely if something like that would have happened. Because he was he was talking about some of the jokes that actually that they were talking about, and then just did not go say, oh, we're not gonna talk about that because it's already too, I don't know, too offensive or too dark. Mm-hmm. Because some of the uh, some of course they're mostly liberal uh, writers on the cast, right? So right. so they they might be afraid of doing that. But anyway, yeah, so. Oh, well. But uh, do you think SNL are very? Do you, so? Do you, did you like the show? Uh, I mean, to be honest, like I found his monologue actually pretty amusing. The show mm. after that point was very, very not funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, so, so besides that controversy, and any other controversies you you have? Uh, well, I mean, uh, no, I mean, I think that was, I mean, that was one controversy that stuck out to me just because, uh, I mean, like, I mean, I one, yeah, actually watched it. So. Yeah, one thing, one thing I heard is something he talked about Asperger, right? He did say he was the first one with Asperger's to host the show. Uh, yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, so he did, uh, yeah, so he's, uh, and there have been people coming out saying, like, that's untrue, and I don't know if they were talking about, like, there have been people who have hosted the show who likely were diagnosed but didn't, like, admit it or, you know, like, maybe after the fact admitted it or maybe they were even people before who, like, but he made the claim on the first person to, you Well, know. first, first, as of a we billionaire, I guess. Yeah, so that's a, so. I don't know. There's probably more than one, to be honest. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I mean, he, like, he, I mean, really it was, he was setting up a joke with, yeah. like, you know, his joke. What's was his joke? Like, his joke was, like, you know, I, like, uh, I want to, like, I want uh, our species to, like, be interplanetary and put, like, people on Mars, like, in my lifetime. Do you expect me to be a normal, chill dude? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But I think, I mean, Asperger is a spectrum, right? Everybody is probably on a spectrum anyway, so I could be on it, too, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, yeah, I don't think, I think technically they getting rid of the term now and just put it all on like the autism spectrum, right? Because like Asperger's oh. is basically just like autism. 
light autism. Right, yeah, they, they've they gotten rid of the diagnosis, so, but I guess, uh, like, I mean, I, a lot of people who were defending him online were saying, like, well, when he was diagnosed, it probably was a diagnosis, yeah. so. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's so. a blurry line, right, when the difference between, like, a little, like, nerdy and weird, and then, like, a con- like a psychological condition or a psychiatric condition. So right. Uh, that's not concrete. That's exactly it, because, I mean, autism really, like, they call it a spectrum, and it's really, like five, six, like, many spectrums, like, you know, it's like, how much are your verbal skills, how much are your social skills, like, mm. uh, you know, empathy, like, how how are all these different things impact, and for every single person, it's different, so. Mm. So. so, he's, so you only like the opening monologue? Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, he had some decent jokes, mm. which I'm, I'm sure they wrote you know, for him, but, That's you know, it. I mean, he had some decent jokes. I mean, they, he talked... No, he, he contributed, too. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, no, I mean, he was pretty funny in the monologue, and, uh, yeah, and then, um, but, yeah, the rest of it, the skits were pretty dull. Yeah, I think that, like, the Dogecoin part, what did he talk about Dogecoin? So, his, like, so, in the, so, he, like, it's kind of funny, because he has been really pumping Dogecoin since then, like, on Twitter, like, like, uh, but I guess, so there were two main things with Dogecoin. One, he had his mo- it was a Mother's Day episode. Yeah, his mom was there. Yeah, so his mom was there, and she's, and he's like, oh, I got you a Mother's Day gift. And she's like, please don't tell me it's Dogecoin. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, it is. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, like, he was in Weekend Update. He was like a yeah. crypto expert. <laughs> and like, like every, the news anchors, basically the joke was they just kept saying, like, what's Dogecoin, yeah. and, he, and he would say like it's a virtual currency, and they're like, oh okay, what's Dogecoin? <laughs> you know, and uh, so basically the end of that bit was like uh, I don't even remember the name of the guy who does Weekend Update, but he was like, oh, so it's a hustle, and he's like, and Elon Musk goes like, yeah, it's a hustle. Like, <laughs> so yeah, so but I mean, he did like a lot of people who are like Elon Musk and Dogecoin like fanatics mm-hmm. were like like during that segment they brought out like a dollar. And they're like, this is a dollar, like, this is real, like, what's Dogecoin? And he, he did say, about as real as that dollar. Like, you know, so it's the idea being that any currency, as we've discussed, is just the faith in that currency. Mm. So, okay. yeah. so. Faith in possibly this, like, central bank and, you know, a large government, but, yeah. So why is, uh, when, when he say, I think I heard that people say, oh, it's, he admitted it's a hustle, but it's hustle, why is hustle bad? What, what does hustle actually mean? To, uh, does it have a bad connotation? Yeah, like you can hustle a game of pool, right? Oh, what I does mean. that mean? Yeah, so, I mean, like, so you set up, like, so you set up an expectation, like, mm-hmm. so if you're hustling someone, it's like, I'm gonna set up an expectation that you can, like, beat, like, if it's, you're hustling a game, like, oh, I'm gonna bet, $10 that I can um, beat you in this game of pool. Mm. And you play a game of pool and you play horribly. Mm. And then you, like, but you're actually a good player. Mm. And then the next game you're like, oh, that, that was a, you know, I'm going to bet you 100. And they're thinking like, oh, I can beat you easily. Of course mm. I'm going to bet 100. And then you destroy them. Mm. So it's like, it's setting up like false sort of expectations uh, to take advantage of. Sometimes people just use it just for like general, like, work to get money, not necessarily, yeah. like, a trick to people be like, oh, you know, like, the hustle, the grind. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess the, I, like, I guess many people interpreted this more as the, like, setting high expectations uh, to, like, like, a steal. trick, essentially. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah the reason I was confused, because uh, my startups, like, entre- entrepreneurial people when I'm in business, they always say, oh, yeah, 
That's I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a hustler. Yeah, you know, yeah. No, no, you know stuff like They're that. Using so. it in the like working Positive. hard. Yeah, at, yeah, exactly. Uh, tricking someone way. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so it's interesting. So we'll see if uh, now that Bitcoin is no longer part of Tesla or no longer accepted by Tesla, if Dogecoin will be the new Tesla currency. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. did ask on Twitter, like, do you want Dogecoin to like to buy a Tesla with Dogecoin? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> definitely getting rich. He's like, I think I wrote Bitcoin high enough. Now time to swap. Yeah. So well. it's going to be after Dogecoin. NTFs, is he going to start selling Tesla NTFs? Maybe. Non, sorry, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Or That's whatever. right. You can't buy a Tesla because they can't produce enough of them, but you can get an NFT call it a day. Well, that's how I'll get my Tesla with my Dogecoin. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Enough on the hustling Dogecoin yeah. on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the next thing that I think you mentioned earlier we might talk about is uh, the controversy on a psychology professor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what happened there? Well, it's my understanding that a professor. I mean, I didn't look have to, a ton of time to look into the story, but a professor was like essentially removed from the APA, so American Psychological Association, mm. because like he, I, I still am not sure if it's a he or a she, but I'll I'll say he or well this this leads into <laughs> the story perfectly. Um, so he was removed for implying that there are only two genders. Male and female. Presumably, yes. Applying okay. or stating? I, I, so, I feel like this is where it would be good to have his, like, or their exact statement. Yes. No, I mean, that is true. Um, let me just... I, I mean, I can look into it, but... Uh, let's see. A neuroscience professor was ousted from the APA e- oh, email discussion group by vote <laughs> after suggesting that there were... Uh, suggesting that there were only two genders, as well as past concerns over his posts. So I guess this is something that comes out, he, like, he must bring up frequently. How did he suggest it? Like, what, what was his wording? Also, this isn't being kicked out of the professional association. This is being kicked out of, like, an email group, which is a bit lower scale. Wait, yes. the email group? Uh, That's what Mike just said. Yeah, no, 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 it was an email. It was an email group, but I guess it was, he was <laughs> like, kicked out by formal vote. I guess. Yeah, but so he just pissed off the other people. Yeah. But he's like, not, he, he, he's still on the ABA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay. was still in ABA. Okay, okay. I guess it's not as a controversial. I mean. He wasn't canceled. He just had people be like, you're annoying. We don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. He, okay, so his post that tipped the scale, according um, to one of the professor or one of the other people involved, was titled, um, hmm, binary view of sex false question mark. What is the evidence? Question mark. Is there a Z chromosome? <laughs> mm. So. Mm. I mean, sounds like he was being antagonistic to yes. the group. <laughs> okay. That's, yes. If that's the sort of things he's just posting repeatedly, I could see them being like, "We don't." Come <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that. That like, like if that's his like. I'm just like, gonna just hammer this. Like, uh-huh. it's just like okay. Like, it's it's. It's not that important. It's 2021. So, what, so what's the exact science on gender? Like science, the gender is still female, male, right? <laughs> well, it's mess. It's a mess. So, gender is usually considered a social construct now, separate from biological sex. Ah, uh, but separate. 
Okay. Yeah, but as we mentioned, well, as I mentioned before this podcast started, I think it's uh, an evolving concept that uh, hasn't quite settled yet. Okay. It's going to okay. continue to change. Right. And I think arguments, the arguments that make it difficult, like, or, or I mean, so, yeah, gender, like, yes, can be considered, like, totally separate from sex, and often is now, but... I mean, even with sex, like, I feel like some people will still try to argue, like, there are, like, are more than two sex. Like, biology is not as nice as we would like it to be. Mm. And it's like, I have read a little bit about it. Like, I'm not a biologist, so it's like I cannot claim to. But it's like, yeah, there are definitely people who have, like, you know, XXY and, like, have, like, prototypical, like, female traits or, like, prototypical male traits. And, you know, like the, like, hormones will be different, like, at a hormonal level, you know, they'll be, like, have, like, more testosterone than, like, a lot of males, even though they present as female, and, I mean, so it, it's, it, it is messy, like, no matter what level you analyze it at, I guess, but, uh, I mean, so I think, I don't know, when it comes to sex, like, it's hard, it, like, it's still hard for me to say it's not, like, Generally speaking, you can sort of group it into two categories. Okay, okay. So. Oh, it's a it's a nuanced topic. So yeah. what's so he so this professor did not get kicked out of here. He's still in here. Yeah. So no. So I guess it was more like it, it was a big controversy because ah. I guess that. But yeah, I guess it was more like the discussion group. Sounds uh, like it wasn't as big of a controversy as I thought this was originally right. presented. We well, it was about a misleading I, statement. Yes. All right, all right. I was just looking through news stories. Okay. Like, oh, that headline grabbed my attention. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. All right, folks. That was not as controversial as we hope. But anyway. <laughs> so this, I guess, uh, yeah, let's go to the main topic now. It's uh, the good, the bad, the ugly of getting a PhD. Okay. All right. So the first question is for to you guys. What since you just finished your PhD and got your your officially doctors now. So what are the good, the bad, and ugly of getting a PhD? Oh, we're just gonna talk about everything then, huh? Yeah, just start. Yeah, what's the good, the bad? Start with the good. Uh, I guess the good is you can ask a question that can seem daunting at the outset, and you can sort of see it. I mean, obviously, like, you don't see it through totally, but you can sort of, like, teach yourself what you need to to help to answer that question. And I guess those skills you sort of learn, uh, like, I guess, garner during that process. Like, I feel, like, very confident that I can learn most anything now, mm. like, so, given sufficient time and resources. <laughs> so, how, here, go ahead. I was going to say, you do have to teach yourself a lot. Yeah. And both, like... There's, like, stuff you have to teach yourself in, like, a very formal, methodical way, and there's stuff you just got to, like, teach yourself to, like, duct tape solutions to because you need to get this experiment running and you don't have, you can't, you know, hire an expert in every little thing. So right. you just have to teach yourself how to do everything. Yeah. So. Mm. So how, how did you compare before PhD, like, after PhD, how, how did you approach a problem or be, be, before you get your PhD? How do you think, how would you approach it before that? I mean, that's, uh, I, I guess I just maybe didn't have as organized a strategy. Mm. I don't know that I have a good answer of how I, because that's, because uh. now when I encounter a problem, my, like, first move is like, okay, like, what's been done on this? Like, mm. I was going to say that, because I feel like, 
I feel like most like engineering undergrads, probably computer science undergrads too. Like if you give them a problem, they just want to like hack at it right away, right? right? But like throughout the PhD, you really learn a respect to be like both how to do it and like a respect for the process of like yeah, looking up what's been done, what you can use, mm-hmm. you know, finding that research or open source projects and stuff like that because well, it's necessary. And then you learn that it's better. But I remember being an undergrad and being like, I don't want to use a library. I just want to code everything myself from scratch. Right. Which works for, you know, programming 201 projects, but, you know, it doesn't scale to the real world. No, I definitely, yeah, I can still be guilty of thinking, like, when I first sit down, like, oh, I'm going to reinvent the wheel now. And then I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, okay, okay. What about good for you? Uh, when people say start saying Mister, I can be like, excuse me, excuse me Doctor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I, I've been like, I never was going to be that person, but particularly people who like, I just want, like, just want to be a little bit of a dick, like, you know, where it's like their attitude isn't quite right. Like, I definitely. <laughs> Have thrown in like, oh, I just finished my PhD. The smart car. That's right. The smart car. Nice. Well, it does, I guess it does give you credibility, right? People just look at it yeah. to give you credibility on stuff that you you say, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's good. Yeah, it gives us give this podcast more credibility. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. It does need it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so, yeah, so it's not bad. Uh, <laughs> Everything. <laughs> the cost is a large portion of your life and soul. <laughs> well, I won't say soul. Like, I've already, I've sold my soul long ago. But oh, I would okay. say, for soul, I'll substitute mental health and self-assurance and happiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, so that, I mean that's I mean definitely the bad is just like you live like I mean so I guess in the working world like in theory like I mean in every or almost every contract you're gonna sign it's gonna be like hey we can part with you at any time and you can part with us at any time yeah. so there's like essentially like infinite like sort of or I mean not infinite but like especially in tech where there's like a lot of jobs most of the time mm-hmm. like you know you're gonna have like the opportunities to like think about like other jobs or if you're like uh like okay yeah I do well here but if I lost this job like I could find something else because of like the skills I have yeah whereas I feel like in the PhD it's like you're sort of like I'm set on this track and I just need to lower my head and go like no matter how hard it is or you mean how hard a PhD is right no matter how hard it is like no matter what setbacks there may be it's Mm. like I'm stuck on like a track and Mm. that's like I just need to follow that track wherever it may go Mm. so so I think there is more of a like you know like it sort of consumes you to a degree as opposed to like Mm. you know it's not a piece of your life but like a persistence like ever omnipresent part of it. <laughs> yeah, it's such a big pile of work, and in general, I mean, maybe it depends, like, what you're doing your PhD, but in general, I think most of the work is just kind of, like, whenever you want to do it, mm-hmm. which is nice, but it's also kind of, like, oppressive, because, like, anytime you're like, oh, I want to go on vacation, but then you're like, oh, man, but, like, I really want to try to get that next part done, mm-hmm. you know, so I can move on and actually finish this, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, like, just kind of always there. I feel like with normal jobs, it's a little bit easier to be like, oh, yeah. Break away from and like enjoy your time off and other things. Yeah, you don't have a weekend or set schedule, one on your own schedule, so you tend to work 
every day almost. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would say that, like, so, and this is something I guess I'm still sort of learning as, like, in industry, but, like, like with the PhD, it's, in a way, your question, right? Like, it's your sort of, like, it becomes your domain, so it's like you associate, like, like when you put your name on the thesis, it's like this is, like, a representation of me in a way. Mm-hmm. Or it's like the work you do for a company, it's like it's still, like, you still want to do good work, but it's like at least, hopefully, at least a little easier to separate your, like, your identity from it, because it's, like, their work, not necessarily yours. Mm. So Also, at companies, and most places, it's probably more of a team effort, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. really helpful in multiple dimensions. Like, you can just get work faster, they'll learn from other people, you can, like, you know, combine different, like, viewpoints and skill sets, but, like, PhDs are fundamentally, like, solo projects generally. Again, there might be some specific, like, areas where they need to do work as teams, because <laughs> I think I've heard stuff like aerospace, like, you know, you can't, like, build a new type of jet engine by yourself. It's not feasible, right? So it right. becomes a project that multiple people work on. But most PhDs are very isolated, mm. in a sense, the work. Yeah, yeah, very solitary, in a way. Yeah. So that's why it's bad for your mental health. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But what about you, Matt? Did you, I feel like you are pretty, like, chill during your, I mean, comfortable I guess, in a sense, in, through your PhD career, do you have any, uh, I guess, same suffering as my like, mental and stress? You know, <laughs> yes. yes. You, you too? <laughs> I know. I am generally a very, like, relaxed, like, pleasant person for mm. most of the time, and the PhD gave me a large amount of anxiety. Really? Even you? Yes. Wow. wow. It is a difficult process. It is wow. a grind. Interesting. I don't, yeah, I don't know anyone. So, and I've seen PhDs, like, so we, we were all kind of in PhDs that ended up, like, taking super long time, which is some like that. But even, like, people I've met who had PhDs, they went by, like, pretty quickly. It didn't seem much better, because then it was, like, this frantic kind of, like, I have to, like, do so much so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, at least the slower pace, you know, you can at least, like, take some breathers, but then it just drags out so long. It's, I don't know which is worse, honestly. Yeah. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. No, no, and I've and I and I hear the same thing. Like I studied with some people, like for quals and stuff, who like qualification exam. Yes, qualification mm-hmm. exam. Yeah. So, and I've seen like they've been out a couple of years, and so like they defended like a little before me, and like they were like almost like friend. Like they're still very friendly, like with their advisor, and like that. Like it seemed like I would have thought like that would have been like like they and they wanted to go into academia. So it's like it almost seems like would be ideal circumstances for like a good experience. And like I saw a post about like, you know, like a year and a half out, like think I'm finally like, you know, like beginning to repair my mental health and feel like me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? So they have started repairing their mental health and you are not? Well, well, no, no, no. I would say I am, but it's like, but it's like well, I, other people that doesn't have mental issues, mental. Well, issues. I, well, this person did, and I would have expected. He did. Yeah, he did, and and I would have expected that he wouldn't have. So, because he like he was very oh. friendly with his advisor. Oh, oh, so, I see. So he had a very good relationship with his advisor, right. advisor and, but and, somehow you. She still have the mental struggles. Right, right. Sort of like the, you know, the things that sort of inevitably come with the PhD. Stress, yeah. yeah, like uh, the stress and like, you know, the imposter syndrome or whatever may else may, you know, arise. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, okay, okay. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely, I, I mean, as Matt says, it's sort of just like a massive mountain of work. <laughs> and, and, I mean, of, of course, the nature of, like, just research in general, but in particular in academia, where it's, like, constant critique, right? Mm. It's like, you know, like, you need to acknowledge at every step, like, oh, like, I have this really interesting result, but it's meaningless or could be meaningless because of X, Y, Z, you know, that. So it's always constantly like, oh, I worked really, really hard on this, and now let me step it all the way back because, you know, there's, you know, and there's things you just can't avoid, you know, like some bias in experiment design or whatever. Yeah. So. Sounds good. Sounds good. I mean, oh, yeah, going back to your soul. Now, you, you said you sold your soul a long time ago. So what did you sell your soul to? Oh, well, nothing. Well, <laughs> I mean, that was more of a joke, but no, I mean, I guess, uh, I, I guess what I, like, I've, since, I would say since early in college, I've been too dedicated to work, but, mm. I mean, but, which is something I'm trying to break apart from, too, but I, that was more of a joke. Oh, okay. I guess it was more the religious connotation. I, uh, I didn't want, uh, my eternal soul tied to this. I, I mean, that's kind of a big assumption that you actually have a soul to begin with. Of course. <laughs> 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 that's a big assumption. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Are you saying it's an assumption that humans have souls or that Mike has souls? Yeah, that's, 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 that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Mike. It feels targeted towards Mike. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Alright, so, what's, uh, I'm not, we might cover this already. I'm not sure we need to go into. Like, what's an ergly of PhD? I'm not sure. Alright, first of all, why are you saying ergly? Yes, it's ugly. Ugly. Okay, I didn't know if you were making a joke. Sorry. Oh, why? What, what, what do you mean? You're just, I thought it sounded like ugly okay. a few times now. And I was like, is I this like, like a reference I'm not getting? Oh, no. I think just the way I pronounce words, sometimes the word, if I say it, so I say it too fast, and I you know, come up and I say it very differently. Oh, okay. We do, oh, I have a Chinese, I almost I have a Chinese, I guess, um, you know, more into a Chinese accent, but when I say it slowly, like, ugly. No, yeah. How's that? That sounds good? No, yeah, that sounds <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> That's what I was, I was wondering, like, is this just like an accent thing? I don't remember hearing it before, like, the word. I don't know how many times I've heard ugly. say ugly before. Right, ugly. That sounds normal. <laughs> I don't think I was crazy. You heard it too, Mike? <laughs> I, I heard it. I'm not trying to be offensive to people with other accents. No, 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 no. Monolingual and ashamed of it. No, part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast because I want to improve my pronunciation of my English so you can correct me if you want to correct my English. All right, yeah. All but right. yeah, so, well, I feel like what we've talked about has been ugly as well. Okay. Yeah, that, that was all straight to the ugly. Yeah, not much stopping at just. <laughs> yeah. All right. How do you how do you differentiate bad and ugly? It's the bad and the worst, I think. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I think the worst part is the the stress and. Right. I mean, obviously, you're like I guess the pay, but I mean, we like I guess we can complain less about that because like there are some PhDs who like pay to get them so, mm-hmm. so. You, listeners if, if you have to pay for your PhD you should be very suspect <laughs> about the PhD and the college uh, you shouldn't have to pay for your PhD well especially in the sciences especially but, in STEM in other areas even then from what I've heard oh really? less less I'm less ex- obviously I don't have as much experience there but I've at least yeah. heard some people say, like, in humanities and stuff, you should still get some sort of, like, it's not even, like, at least be, like, a TA, right? Like, they, mm, yeah. colleges will provide their PhD students with TA jobs, so just pay them or things like that. I see. Yeah, but uh, the cost of it is you, you do pay it with your time, your youth, right? <laughs> your your mental health and stress and then, 
but you do pay with your your time, really. Right? Yeah, and yeah. And then your and there's other costs, like you know, you could you could be doing something else. You could start your own company, so there's opportunity costs. Yeah, right, yeah. No, and like so, there's two ways to view it. Yeah, one's like, oh, I have a degree. I could have gone like get a nice job and have a real salary. Why am I doing this PhD and being paid like you know poverty wages? Mm. On the flip side, you can say like, oh, I'm getting like high tier like education, and rather than paying, I'm actually being paid for it. So you mm -hmm. can kind of view it positive or negative, both are true. Yeah, yeah. But you don't do it for free though. You, I mean, you actually, I mean, you actually do work, right? You yeah. hire the GR research assistant, you know, you do some research for your advisor. And your it's advisor. true. It's work, but it also teaches you, right? Yeah. This is like the, usually it's like your first research, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I know I learned like a ton. True. Um, about a lot of things while doing it. So it's not like. Yeah. yeah. And you turn a research, uh, you actually do it into your thesis anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Generally. Right. No, I mean, I would say definitely as a researcher, and I, I grew tremendously, but it's just a question of the cost of, yes, repairing your mental health at 30 versus, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing, uh, one thing about getting PhDs that you, like, a lot of people say, oh, you get a master, you can just go get a job, you can pay a lot of money anyway, right? You can start earning a lot of money right away. Mm -hmm. But PhD, I think, it does give you more options, right? You can, you can do, you know, you can do teaching, you know, academia, right? And you can do, you can just, you know, allow you to do a lot more stuff than just, like, with a master. Right. Yeah, give you more options. So if you want to think long-term, right? So, you know, if you think you're going to live, like, 80 years old, so maybe, you know, thinking long-term and like, getting a PhD might be a good idea. Right, right. Well, no, and it does teach you to manage, like, time and, like, manage, like, a project. So, I mean... Because obviously you need to decide, like, oh, like the order to do things and the timeline to carry out those things. And I mean, in some cases, I mean, Matt helped me with one of my studies, and mm. you know, I helped Jayun, and Jayun helps uh, me as well. And uh, and I learned the lesson to never do a human study and not need to help. <laughs> yeah. <that. laughs> so I mean, okay. so it does teach you some like collaboration and people management skills. Uh. All right, all right. So going back to the, going back to the, I guess uh, the early. Now, what's your, if you think that, I is that what's the lowest point of your PhD? Right before proposing. Oh, uh, I think. I mean, it was bad leading up to the defense too. Mm. I mean, so I guess two. So one was the human study. Uh, getting participants and feeling like that's never going to happen. So mm -hmm. that was that was a very low point. The proposal, it was just more like it was just like drag it like in present like the presentation of my model mm -hmm. was taking an outrageous amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was there and I just kept revising and revising and revising and I was just like this is never going to end. Mm. So, Got like, it. yeah, so it was just like, I need to just propose. Like, once I got through the proposal, I was, like, more, maybe more motivated to be like, okay, I'm going to finish, like. So. But is there a point that you say in your mental health, like, <laughs> how, how bad is it? Like, because sometimes, I think, thinking about like, sometimes I, I feel like, there's some point I feel like I'm fading in a way, and then mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, I rather, like, it's science, it's not depression, it's more like really stressed out, I was like, oh man, I do think maybe I, 
I might be better off if I'm dead, right? So I, <laughs> <laughs> I have that kind of thought, and I flash into, like, like through my mind. But I, I never really, like, want to, like, kill myself anyway. So that's, I, well, I wasn't depressed, but I just stretched out to the point, and I, that thought, and I can't even, like, flash through my mind. Like, not flash through my mind, just like, you know, it's all my mind, right? Then it's, you know, I might be better, you know, I'm, I'm dead. So it's, what, what, yeah. I was going to say, I've had a, a similar but like kind of opposite thought sometimes when it's like stress is really bad where I'm just like, remember, I'm going to die anyway. We're all going to die. So, <laughs> yes. like, so don't freak out about this. It's it's just like, in the long run, it's all meaningless. Oh, right? oh, yeah. So that's sometimes, you know, that's like was my mantra to get through, you know, some of the hardship parts. <laughs> Interesting. I would see, okay, I don't know that I've ever been like, I want to be dead. I've had more thoughts like, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, I'm literally going to be that person in a room with a straitjacket, like, but more because, like, I would think about, like, when I, like, when I'm running a study or analyzing data, I'm like, what if this just, like, the data just, like, disappears? Like, I, and you start to get just, like, these nagging, like, or, like, what if, you know, what if someone, like, manipulates my data? Or, you know, like, you sort of get these, like, nagging things of, like, something small changes, and it just blows up, like, years worth of work. So... <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. What do you mean by straight jacket? The person in the straight jacket. What does that mean? Well, like yeah, like I mean, you see in the movies, like when they go to like a mental hospital, and the person is just like in a corner, like and they like just their mind is gone, like they oh. just cannot, like they're just totally scatterbrained and like you know just paranoid about everything. Like the government is after me. Oh, uh, but why? Why? What does the straight jacket represent? What straight jacket? What do you mean? Like a straitjacket? It's like what they put around you so you can't hurt yourself? Or oh, okay. Can't hurt anyone else? Okay, okay. I don't know yeah. if that's when that when they... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone you ever see where they're like, their arms are like kind of like... Oh, and that's called straitjacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's why I don't get a... I don't get a reference. Yes. No, no, no. <laughs> so, so I would say, like, during the PhD, I mean, like, I've dealt with, like, some, like, mild depression, but I would mm. say, like, like the most serious threat to my mental health during the PhD was absolutely anxiety. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, that's part of the reason, I guess, I decided to, to not to, <clears throat> even though I got a conditional pass, I don't want to continue anymore, because uh, the work that I need to do to to get a pass is, I feel like it's going to be take longer, they're gonna take an extra like, at least like three months or so, mm-hmm. right? And then I just don't want to stress anymore. And then I'm thinking like, okay, if I have only five years to live, and like, what will I stop doing right now, right? And that's one question we asked before. And then it's like, okay, three months is like, I don't know, like maybe ten percent or you know of my life remaining life or something, right? So I want to stop it now. And also I feel like you just, I just don't, I think. You don't have five years left to live, right? Just, yeah. to, <laughs> just to confirm. Yeah, right? no, no. I'm just saying. I'm thinking it's a it's a way that you're making a decision. I'm thinking like, and then the other way is like, okay, if I'm a dead, like when I'm dying on my deathbed, am I gonna regret not getting, not having a PhD? And then I don't, I don't think I regret it anyway. And then yeah, I, I think I finally figured out that I like the direction that stuff that I like to do. So I want to start doing that right now instead of my head. So it's focus on that, right? It's, it's not even though it's just like I'm so close, but there's opportunity cost. I'm not going after that one kind of approximately direction I won't want to go in. So yeah, mm-hmm. right. yeah. yeah. 
But I guess next come back to one of the questions I want to ask. I was going to ask in the beginning first question about the guys, like why why did you want to decide to get a PhD in the first place? Uh, well, I can start. I did it for all the wrong reasons. Um, <laughs> so basically, I like it was basically like I was good in undergrad. I did academic research in undergrad, and I was told like, oh, like you, like, and I sort of like had always been, like, the overachiever, so it's, mm-hmm. like, I want, like, so they're, like, oh, PhD, and I'm, like, oh, that's as, like, high as you can go, so I better do that, and they sort of, like, they being, like, sort of mentors uh, from undergrad and stuff, they were, like, oh, you'll do, you you will do well, and, like, um, obviously they had done it, so they thought it was sort of the right way to go, and, um, like they sort of said, like if you hate it, like you can, like there's all, always you can always, really, you yeah. can always sort of take the masters, you know, go that route. So I was like, oh okay, but I guess so. So coming in, I knew almost nothing about like what I was in for. Uh-huh. So and I mean maybe that's for the best because I probably wouldn't have done it had I. So you know. Mm. So, well, so I would say there's there's basically two main reasons to get like a PhD if you group everything broadly. So the first is like the prestige, the title, the recognition, whatever you want to call it, like, you know, or the achievement, mm. which is probably my bigger motivating factor. It's kind of just like a challenge of something to mm. do. Yeah. Um, and then the second one is like for the more practical aspects, you want to like, it does open up job or work opportunities that you would, would either be more difficult or you couldn't have. Obviously the normal one is like professorship, right? Right. Also some elements of research I did, Feel like I was like I probably wouldn't go into a resource research like stuff that would maybe not you need a PhD but like help it would like guide you like tr- the process change you on some of that okay. so that but that was my secondary factor for me is more just I don't know yeah just kind of like a life challenge it's I guess similar to what Mike said where it's like oh like I'll be the best or whatever not not trying to be the best just being like yeah mm. like I want to do that because it seems cool and hard right yeah like, yeah. yeah similar for me I guess is when like challenges to improve mm-hmm. and then I guess uh, one of the, the other reasons I guess I didn't know really know what I wanted to do so I just like I was just following actually my ex-girlfriend was applying for grad school to go and get a PhD so okay I, I might as well just apply to <laughs> you know because I don't I guess I yeah so I, that's, that's one of the reasons I, I decided to get a PhD yeah so mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's cool but I, I, I guess uh What's the best lesson you have learned from getting a PhD? You, you might have covered that already, but this is a starting question. Yeah, no. I mean, this is... I would say, for me, I guess, um, the best lesson, of course, is I think you mentioned already, like how, you know, asking a question, you know, mm-hmm. that is the best lesson. I think that other effect is more like, now, whatever I look at research now, like any science, Scientists not talk about okay, near research, they found this funding. First thing I know is like, okay, is it really true? Because <laughs> 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 you know, I'm so close to I know that you know, scientific data, you know, research result can be easily manipulated. And not even sometimes you, you, some people are done it intentionally, mm-hmm. and sometimes you know, people can even unintentionally too, right? Bias too, right? So it can be very biased, and then knows too, right? And then even though you say sometimes, oh, you, you put, some people say, oh, I published my research in this publication, but, you know, there's a different tier of publication, right? Some, 
you, you, you research review by other scientists, right? And they, they just, you know, they don't really fact check all your results, right? So it's like, okay, how do I know this is true, right? So anyway, that's, I think that made me a little bit more skeptical about stuff that I hear about in the, you know, in the news or scientifics, but I guess for better or for worse, right? I'm not sure if it's, it's all good. No, I, I that's actually a really good point. I've become insanely jaded about like any type of scientific finding. <laughs> Just because like I like I will like actually make a point if it's in an area I'm interested in of like going to read a paper uh-huh. and like and it's so often the like it's just like you know, they'll have like the super simple experimental design that doesn't generalize at all. And then their conclusion section will be like, oh, it shows, like, it implies this great thing, you know, that you can take for a headline. And it's like, no, it doesn't. Like, it does not show anything like that. Mm. So, but, so, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, yeah. I'm very cynical about, like, science being, like, of course, it's better than any other sort of mechanism we have for, like, finding truth. But yeah. At the same time, it's just like I am very skeptical of a lot of like head like when it's brand new studies, like when it's in a textbook, sure. But, yeah, yeah. I'd say it's a at least a paper you read, right? And when research, I, I'll say that maybe ninety percent of the paper you like read is basically just garbage, right? So. <laughs> that, is, that is true. So yeah. yeah. Well, I would to put us well, some are generally garbage, but I think. The analogy I think of research now is kind of like, you know, drilling for oil like a hundred years ago, where people mm-hmm. just sort of like drill and just see what comes up. Mm-hmm. And it's, so like, it's not even that people are like, it's not necessarily that someone's a bad researcher or did bad work. It's just it's hard to, it's impossible to know beforehand like what's really going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, people just kind of look into things and try things, and uh, you know, most of the time it either doesn't work or it just does. Even if it works, it doesn't matter. Right? right, like it just doesn't matter, and only a very small percentage of research ends up being impactful and important. Right, and sometimes they're like really stupid, simple ideas that just turn out like, oh wait, you can like build on this into something like important, and then mm-hmm. other times something that seems interesting just kind of like you know falls off. So I mean, it's kind of similar, and obviously then there's the you know, but but no one wants to acknowledge that you can't say that when you're like publishing your papers or your dissertation or trying to get research funding from mm-hmm. proposals that where you're like, oh, most of the stuff we do is, right. doesn't matter whether it's true or not, or it's just kind of like largely bullshit and we're hoping to actually find something good because right. you got to act like, I mean, this is like the people talk in academia of like pressure to publish, right? you got to yeah. like, you got to try to get publish or perish. Publish <laughs> or perish, you need successful, at least some successful results. So uh, right. There's a bad incentives that make people Keep people from acknowledging the reality of research that it's just, yeah, most of it's just not going to matter at all. Right. Yeah. I was saying this, yeah, yeah. I mean, talking about a publish or perish thing, uh, one, 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 I think I heard one person talking about, like, maybe, like, re the idea of academia is that the, when you look in that, decide what you do in life, like, career wise, like, the, you, you almost need to decide like, what kind of game you are playing. So there's two kind of game, right? Uh, there's like zero sum game, right? And there's the non-zero sum game, right? Mm-hmm. And then like, he talked about like his, his name is Noval Robicon, and he's he, anyway, he's a he's a he's a pretty good uh, investor, you know. But anyway, he's, he what he talked about like wealth creation. 
right? If you for common wealth, actually, it's not it's a non-zero sum game, right? right? And there's no like uh, you know, well, there's no like someone you know get more money and they don't get it from you, right? It's not so it's non-zero sum. And whereas like in academia, right, it's almost like because academia is almost almost like a status game, and a status game is almost like because you have someone who's more famous than you, and you always want to be the top researcher, right? And that's kind of almost like a status game, right? And then that, and that is basically zero sum, right? So if you you basically you need to you know <laughs> get it on someone, you need to compete over the other person, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. So and well, grants are literally like yeah, yeah, for yeah. Small, a lot of funding. But no, it's kind of like I mean, like a musician, right? There can only be so many like super famous bands because people can only listen to so much music. It's mm-hmm. the kind of same thing, right? Like mm-hmm. the vast majority aren't going to be like the super successful. Yeah, I would say musician. I'm also maybe more being like fame, maybe. There's there's more like a zero sign. Right? There's always someone's higher, more famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so that made me think about okay, what kind of game do I want to play? Right? Do I want to play in academia, academia and zero sum game, or mm-hmm. you know the other making money, just be rich, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then the non zero sum game. So anyway, so yeah, but of course, I mean academia has is 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 good, is bad, right? But it's, it's not all bad, right? So yeah. No, yeah, we're we're talking about the negatives, and it's still, I mean, overall, it's still a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that's an interesting way to view it, though. It's like Zero versus non-zero sum. I've never thought of it like that. Yeah, talk about yeah, just the game that you play. I mean, talk about your careers-wise, right? And mm-hmm. then also like, there's another book called Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, I think. And you talk about like, all companies play from it's more like long-term and short-term, right? All companies are play play like infinite, like finite games, right? Because like you compete with this company, like you're always like competition instead of like playing for infinite game where you're going to coexist for a long, long time, right? So, yeah. You can apply that thinking properly, like going into a new job and stuff too, or a lot of things, like is this something where I need to directly compete with someone and beat them to like be successful or not? Yeah. And it's not that's necessarily bad, but being prepared and like knowing that ahead of time, being like, yeah, like that's, that is a much more stressful and risky proposition than mm-hmm. some sort of job or career or business venture where you just work together with people yeah. and be successful. Yeah, right. yeah. And even, yeah, so so instead of like focus on what your competitors are doing, you know, focus on what your like Apple, right? Apple is always focused on its own product instead of what its competitors are doing because they are playing infinite game because you've got to coexist for a long, long time, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> and yeah, the airlines. <laughs> I mean, they just, it's essentially like five massive companies that just like own everything, so um, they know they're set. Yeah. Well, I guess the last thing about the long-term, um, long-term game and the short-term game is that you can apply it to people too, right? You know, you want to work with the people are thinking, you, you want to work with long-term thinking people such that, you know, like the relationship is long-term, right? So think long-term, I guess, instead of just, oh, I want to gain get this from, benefit from this person, um, done with this person, right? Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah, play game with long-term people, I guess, yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of advice, I think, uh, Naval Ravikant was giving, so. So, I guess uh, going back to PhD now, um, so since you guys finish your PhD, and then if you go back, do you think you would do it all again, or no? I, I think I would get my PhD again. I would change how I go about it. Uh-huh. Um, 
notably, but I think I would in the end want to do it again, especially if I'm like going back with knowledge now. I'm like, oh, I can like do it so much better and easier and like save myself a lot of hassle and trouble. Uh, uh, yeah. How, what would you change? So the biggest thing is, so what I didn't know, and I mean I couldn't have done it, because mm-hmm. I just didn't know anything. I just came from my undergrad, you know, with an EE degree, electrical engineering, and I didn't know really anything about robotics or research. So the program here at Georgia Tech was good in that it they have a robotics PhD where they teach you classes and all sorts of different areas and stuff, and that's all nice, but you don't, like, you kind of have to start trying to pick your research and getting into your dissertation topic before I knew enough to make, a like, a good call on that, right? Mm-hmm. So if I had to redo it, Mm. Or could I guess I would get a master's, take the classes, kind of learn the advanced topics, then get a concrete idea of what I want to do research in. Or there's a lot of people who publish PhDs as a as jobs essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, robotics worldwide is like a mailing list, and they're always sending these out where they're like, "We need a PhD for this project. It's already funded. It's three years. You know, like so come in, do research on this topic, get paid for it, and then get out." So I guess I guess I would just come in with a much more with a clear plan to like, mm. yeah, I would come in with a plan because I came in just sort of floating, not knowing what I'm doing because mm. I just didn't know enough. Yeah, yeah. I think you found right. Did um, you do your own again? With all the mental stress? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm more like I literally just am happy. Like there's a lot in my past where I would like, oh, I wish I could go back and do this. Yeah. With respect to starting the PhD, I just don't know. Uh, like I'm happy it's over, and I'm happy like I did it, but mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like I don't know that I like I mean I guess Matt is right like I could go back and do it better like mm-hmm. more efficiently and stuff, but but I guess it's a little unfair right like a yeah. more realist, <laughs> realistic mm-hmm. more fair comparison is like oh if you didn't have this like would you do the same process again so right, right. so why why are you hesitating hesitant about doing it over again is it because are you Not worth it. Uh, you don't think? Is it because you're gonna make? This, you think you're gonna make the same amount of money when you're coming out without PhD? I, I mean, I guess that is part of it. Is I guess it hasn't necessarily like, like I don't necessarily have proof one way or another whether like how much it's like. I do believe it's made me into a better like researcher than I would have been had I just gotten a master's. So that is absolutely true. Mm. But I mean, I definitely have plenty of. Like I've encountered people in industry who are not as as good of researchers and have just have masters, but they have made their way, mm. like to you know similar you know different industries and stuff like that. So it's like mm. I guess I I don't know you know I don't know that the alternative like you know if I had just gotten a masters or something would have been harder mm. like in the grand scheme of things. What do you mean by harder? Well, just harder in the sense of like you know going to a job you feel like less prepared for. Or, oh, okay. You know, sort of like struggling in your career as opposed to sort of upfront. Hmm. Gotcha. So interesting. So you don't see, I guess, to you, I guess you are more evaluating using money. Oh no. Just I guess long term benefit. Benefit. Uh. So and I mean, a component of that is money, but a component of that is also like, what do I do in uh, my career? Like, you know, does my mental health improve <laughs> and like get better? Like, you know, so it's like if I recover, 
like, have a successful, like, career at different jobs and then, like, were able to, like, you know, start my own company or do something, like, within a company that I'm, like, very proud of, like, that's, then it's very easy for me to say, okay, the hassle is worth it. Uh, but, so yeah. Sounds like you don't see a long-term, I guess uh, you don't see your long-term, like, value from PhD with, without, you don't see your, you don't see a long-term value of PhD over without getting a PhD. Does that fair? What if I... It sounds to me like you're saying you're not sure if the PhD was worth it for your career, which is, like, what you're really evaluating. Because, again, it's opportunity cost. PhD versus five more years of working in industry and gaining experience and knowledge that way. Mm -hmm. And I would say if your career is not going to be a professor, a PhD is probably almost certainly not the better career move. Yeah. So, like, professors have to have a PhD, but otherwise, for a career perspective, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there's some other niche jobs, but... I guess I I would... uh, The only thing that I would push back on with that is just, like, if you're considering doing, like, like, novel research, like, or potentially, like, starting your own company or something. Like, I think the PhD, like, like we said at the beginning and a couple of times since, like, has helped like helps you learn how to answer questions. Okay. So if you're stu- if you're looking to answer a question during your career or life, then the PhD could lend itself better to that than getting a ma- like doing class based masters and like just going into a job. You know, y'all said that, and it is true. <laughs> but I'm going to push back a little bit on it because it is definitely true. It helps you, but I don't feel like the PhD process is necessary to do that yeah. by any means. I feel like. That's a lesson that you could learn way quicker. Yeah. Like, just, I mean, it, I mean, that's kind of like the scientific method, just right. awful introspection. I feel like you could probably half learn it from some YouTube videos and yeah, you just need to practice applying it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I guess it, it gets ground into you more with the PhD. Yeah. Method. Like, it's, that is true that you could learn it. Yeah. Yeah. When I look at my startup right now, I'm reading my, uh, my startup book, how to, you know, Start in the startup process, how they found a company, you know, and how they find customers. That's basically what they do. They use scientific method, right? But they do it much faster. <laughs> they just, they, they have, to have a question, okay, have a hypothesis of what kind of, you know, who gonna use this product, this is people gonna like this product, this, or maybe he start with, the, they start with the problem and they have a question, is this product gonna solve this problem, right? And they, they try to, Validate through experiments, and they, they do it much quicker than PhD, right? So and so so if you if you want to just go start a company, you can also learn that scientific method on a you know, asking a question. You can learn it through like starting starting a business as well. Right. So I do see that as well. So but yeah, that's totally right. I guess the big advantage that the PhD does have towards teaching this lesson is the mentorship aspect, right? Your advisor and your committee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, drilling you when you basically do things wrong or poorly. Where if you're just teaching yourself, like, if, like you could get the concept, but like, are you gonna, like, you know, without a mentor or someone advising you, you're not gonna learn as well, at least as quickly. Yeah. Right. And in the case of a company, obviously, there's, you need to find the money. You need to, you know, whereas this is more of like a structured, like, process. Yeah. But if you can, like, have, like, a, you know, you join a company and there's like a project lead. Like, I feel like they could fulfill that same role. Yeah, they, they could. Yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't need the PhD. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, even mentorship, right? A lot in the business world, the startups they have investor, and also some investor actually mentor you as well. And then you actually do it in the real world. So, so I think that might be a better approach, right? If you want to, like, also I think I'll say one downside of getting a PhD, you are kind of stuck in a academia environment, and that's not really not very different from the real world in a way. Quote unquote, end quote, right? So um, the real world is the kind of a business world. That's what I'm talking about, right? So and then and then if you want to learn something about dealing with the biz- real world, I guess uh, the business world might be the best way to go for it, right? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I know like academics would argue like, oh, we're like pursuing knowledge mm. as opposed to you know like industry, which is pursuing money. But I feel like. You know, uh, you know, industry would say we're trying to make practical things, and academia is, you know, just like chasing prestige or something. Yeah, well, yeah, just chasing prestige or whatever. Yeah, it's, I it's, feel like that's the status game we was talking about. Right, like the prestige. Sta- yeah, I mean, I feel like they're both right about the other, and like in a little bit of a way. Like, yeah, 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 a little bit. So I'll say, I mean, one of the reasons I think I decided to go to get a PhD is like I, I was. Because right now I'm really interested in business, but back in the day I, when I was younger, my undergrad, I wasn't really interested in business because I was, I was, I guess, being lied to. You know, I was feed the liberal lie like, about the whole business world is just all about money and all they want is just money. So I guess, I think I was a little bit, so that's one, okay, I want to do something that's good for humanity, uh, you know, kind of make some contributions in the world. So, okay, maybe I should pursue knowledge and then just go get PhD so I can add, make some get impact in, so I can, but so, 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 and say to myself, oh, I don't really care about money, right? But actually, right, right now, I okay, the business world is actually very, very interesting, right? And you actually do the same thing, you know, you try to solve people's problems, have questions, and then try to help other people as well, right? You know, so anyway, so that's, so I would say, so, so, so that's why when you mentioned it, oh, you know, academia can have no, the very biased view of, oh, business world is all about money, right? Like people are richer and richer, so, that's a, I would say, yeah, that's a very Hollywood version of people being fed those like liberal ideas that actually like make you go go to one direction that you are, might not be uh, suited for, right? So for I'm just talking about myself, right? So you have an ideal to to help to help other people instead of just go you know make money and uh, that money you can use that money in the future to help other people, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. And businesses can do a lot of good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I definitely agree with that. So, 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 so anyway. I mean, I, I could be, I take the cynical position and say, like, I think both, like, like, like I say, I think it, many people in industry are just pursuing money, mm-hmm. or many businesses. Like, the bottom line is the bottom line, and I, that is not 100% universally or Like, there are good businesses, and uh, similarly in academia, I think a lot of people are. You know, chasing prestige more so than chasing good knowledge. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, but uh, again, that isn't universal either. So, mm-hmm. I mean, referencing earlier thing, maybe this would by some people, but I think Elon Musk. <laughs> I would say, I mean, you look at his business ventures. Yeah. Most of them seem to be like new tech that is beneficial to humanity, right? Electric right. cars, battery systems that will help renewable power. Even like going to Mars, okay, maybe you say whether that's near, that's not near-term benefit, but you could argue it's long-term benefit. Like he right. clearly, like he's gotten rich, but he's also clearly been like focused his companies towards 
what I would argue is good things. I think most people would agree they're good things. Yeah, no, I mean, like he invested, I like, I, I don't know, like tens of millions of dollars of his own money in like starting Neuralink. Yeah, and that uh, might have big like research implications right. for like helping people with all sorts of like different brain diseases and stuff. Right, exactly. It's, that's also far future, but like. Yeah. Tesla is making electric cars cool and more available. That's like near-term future for something very important, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. No, so no. I, I mean, I agree with that. If I were a billionaire ever, I would like to think that I would throw my money into just like doing cool things. That also help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Are we fun, done discussing the PhD? Not yet. <laughs> we sh- last question. I, last so, question. So I, I hope we have convinced other people not to get PhD. I'm <laughs> pretty sure everyone's listening. That's what they. If anyone actually listens to all this, they'd definitely be like, "Oh fuck." That. <laughs> yeah. So so if so if someone that still decide to get a PhD, like what? How would you recommend like to just quick advice like getting into a grad school like? PhD program and what's the getting into grad school like how to get in yeah and I, any advice on oh, the education do, process do research in undergrad identify a lab that like fits with your research and apply what so, and or you need you need letters of recommendation I feel like that's the hard part so you need to like uh, be, you can't just like go to class and leave you gotta get friendly with some professors in your undergrad which sure. doing some research should give you like one or two right off the back but then maybe someone else I mean I'm gonna assume you have decent grades and you can do like decent on the GRE or whatever test right like mm-hmm. that's kind of an assumption if you can't do that I feel like I've heard a 3.5 is like like they want like a 3.5 and they don't care if it's a 3.5 or a 4 yeah so. I could believe that I mean like yeah you're not you're not gonna get in there with like straight C's but like so but you don't need it's not about even the star academic class but so I think I think the letters of recommendation are what you need to think about ahead of time that you would probably forget. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. I guess the last question is more for my, I guess. How did you transition from PhD to work right now? I mean, it's good. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely like the stress level is considerably lower. Um, and, I mean, you know, I've been, in most of the work I've done, I've been reasonably con Like, I haven't, like encountered a situation where I was like, oh, industry is just so different and I wasn't prepared for this. Like, mm. I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, I think for the most part it's like a lot less stressful. I mean, you do have some uh, visibility of like, oh, the work I'm doing could benefit people in this way. Like, there's a very clear, like, this is how your work could be applied mm. in, in, like, the real world. So that's, that's nice. Um, I mean, as some of the work I've done has been a little bit more, like, on the side of, like, publish, like, to get the, disseminate the information and advertise the company versus, like, like, directly in a product, but I've had some, like, direct in-product experience. Mm. So that, I mean, that's really why I wanted to go into industry, because I didn't want to see, like, the, like, the work I'm doing is actually being used. <laughs> mm, gotcha. So. They remind me of a quote from someone, they were talking about, Something I forgot where's the quote from. Uh, they were talking about this thing works in practice, but does it work in theory? Uh, that's what academia would say about that. <laughs> but I think it's more like economics, econ- economic theories. Like, okay, this works in practice, but does it work in theory? It's not a terrible question. Very, 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 very different between the control theory, right? Oh, does this work in theory, but does it work in practice? Theory it works in practice. Anyway, so I think it's a 
I guess. Any any last thoughts, comments? Mm. No? Maybe the hardship is what makes us stronger slash better, whatever. Makes it all <laughs> worth it. Yes. Well, maybe, no, maybe the suffering is part of what is needed. Mm. Well, it's sort of like the one of the like senior level people in my company did say like when it comes to hiring, like he's very quick to go with a PhD. Like, mm. He's like PhD makes the hiring process easier. And in a way, it's like sort of what they talk about, like like the military, right? Like mm. you know, they break you down and sort of build you back up. Like they teach you discipline. <laughs> uh, so it's like if you have a PhD, you know, you have someone who's like disciplined. Yeah, it's very much like mental mental challenge, right? You go right. for a mental training to, uh, yeah. So yeah, so I mean, I guess masters are a bit of a dice roll now, because especially with how many online master programs are like pumping out. This yeah. is, I'm not trying to hate on master's programs, because you could get a master's, like, learn the material in class and, like, study it genuinely and come out, like, knowledgeable and competent. But you can also definitely, like, just kind of, like, breeze your way with your gentlemen B's or C's and master's classes, right? Right. Right. and not really know much at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, going back to your struggle thing, I would say... That remind me of a quote from a guy. I forgot his name, but uh, his quote is like, "Easy life. I mean, no, easy choice, hard, hard life, hard life, hard, hard choices, easy life." Mm-hmm. So basically, same thing that like you go through life making hard choices, like struggle, really struggling with the choices you make, your life can be easier. Mm-hmm. Right? If you if you always making the easy choices, like, oh, I want to grab this. Candy, <laughs> you know, you're always making these easy choices. You're 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 gonna have a hard life, basically. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I'll put out one thing. Yeah. As a final statement. <laughs> okay. So I feel like there's a non-trivial number of kids who are like, you know, they go through high school. They're like the smartest. Maybe they go to college. They're still like pretty smart. And you have like, a, I was one of those kids. You have a very high opinion of yourself. Mm-hmm. You have a little bit of an ego. You yeah. know, maybe you recognize it. Maybe you don't. If you wanna, if you really believe you're so, so smart. You know, go do a PhD at a top tier university and see, like, if that will, either you are actually a genius or you'll be, you know, get put in your place a little bit, which humbling experiences are good, you know, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know that, I, like, I, if anything, it taught, like, I feel like it taught me, like, there's no one that smart. <laughs> like, like, well, I mean, like, you look at, like, you know, like Bill Gates, Elon Musk, like, these guys have, like, hundreds of billions of dollars, and you're like... Like, I bet they're super hardworking, super smart, but, like, is the, like, is the delta between them and, like, like, people around here, like, that great? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, so. Right. Yeah. Einstein was that smart. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, I guess, like, literally, like, yeah, maybe there's, like, once in, like, many generations people where it's, like, okay, yeah, they're, like, legit, like, they're, like, evolved beyond me. But this is a sidetrack, but, like... In one year, Einstein published four papers that basically revolutionized physics. Like, each of the papers had, like, a revolutionary idea. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I think it was, like, one of the relativity papers. I think one of, like, the wave-particle duality and some other stuff. And some other stuff. And it's something about the, like, was it the Bohemian motion or Brownian motion? Right, and right. Like, it's, like, and I'm, like, and it, once you been through academia, that's so much, like, four papers in a year at all is hard. Right, right. 
four papers that each revolutionized your field is absolutely mind-bendingly amazing, and I don't understand how a human could do that. But <laughs> he's an alien. <laughs> right. But for 99.999% of people, yeah, it's a, I would say it's a humbling experience. So if you're one of those, you know, kids who thinks they're really smart because they did great in high school and didn't have to study. Yeah. I would say in, you're talking about Delta and the difference in intelligence. Right. Probably not much between Elon Musk and you. Mm-hmm. But I would say he does, like, those people, and he, they, they do take, they have... The tendency they are more very much action bias. They just do stuff or yes. more stuff, yeah, right? and is. they are, they take more risks, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, I would say that is probably the, the difference. And then right. with their intelligence, you're gonna make you a billionaire. They so. also seem to be super hardworking. Like most of them oh, seem yeah, to be yeah. the sort of people who work like uh, 70 hours a week. Like you know, you and I might go home and goof off when they would like you know stay late like every day of the week just to like. Not even because they needed to, just to do it, right? Right. That's yeah. So like, like last year or just just recently, right? Like Elon Elon Musk, he was sleeping under his desk, like in the factory, right next to the factory, right? Mm-hmm. So and he was going through all stress too, right? Because no actor, right. you know. So. No, no. I mean, I think it, it, there is a decision point, sort mm-hmm. of, where it's like, you know, like I think at the beginning of the PhD, I was like, like I'm gonna work all the time, like. But there does get to be a point where it's like you need to shoot, like, like I guess if maybe I was like, oh, like I'm almost guaranteed to be the next Elon Musk if I just keep doing this, then maybe <laughs> like I would have. But, but uh, I don't think, uh, like I think the risk. As you said, Shea was a little bit too great, so it's yeah. like I'll choose life. <laughs> but yeah, but the uncertainty is what makes life more interesting, right? The unpredictable. If it's all predictable, then it's kind of boring, right? Yeah, but in I mean, a way, of course, you want the comfort of certainty, but maybe the uncertainty is what makes your life interesting, even though it's going to give you all stress. <laughs> Remember to never let you cook for you. <laughs> yes, that's what I, I said. I put beef in this, but the uncertainty is what makes it exciting. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was <laughs> All right, all right. I think that's a, that's a, that's a good end to this in person. Uh, all right. I remember, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, the easy choice, hard life, hard choices, easy life. I like that quote. It's a good quote. Cool. See you next time. Shoot out club.